All right. Well, good morning, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, sharing your worship experience with us online. And uh, the old adage goes that um, necessity is the mother of invention. And um, we are here because of all the quarantine and social distancing and things of that nature. So uh, we're gathering virtually through an online community. Uh, one of the main things that we need to do as a church is really um, get connected, stay connected. So on online, you have the get connected uh, button right there. Uh, that contains um, information. What we're actually going to try to do is we're going to try to do men's Bible study, which we did this morning, and it worked great. Uh, we did men's Bible study online through our phones and through our computers, and I think we're going to try to do that with our women's ministry as well. And then uh, next to that, under Get Connected, is um, we have I Need a Prayer. So for those of you who've been coming to church and you fill out your prayer request card, go ahead and fill that out. You can do it online. And as soon as you fill it out and press I Need Prayer, the staff, we all get blasted with an email and we'll pray for you right then and we'll also pray for you during the week. And then lastly, you could also give online and also uh, give uh, Sundays, uh, 7.30, 9.30, if you want to come by the ministry center at a distance, six feet away, and drop off your tithes, you'll go ahead and welcome to do that. So with that, um, how many of you guys went to the supermarket uh, this last couple of weeks? Yeah, and of course, there's no toilet paper. <laughs> um, also with toilet paper, water is kind of short as well, right? Mm -hmm. But have you guys noticed something else that was lacking or was empty? Meat, potatoes, and in our, in our state, rice, <laughs> right? Meat and rice. But you know what was full? All the aisles that were full? The Easter candy section, that's right. Reese's peanut butter, M&M's, Kit Kats, all the sweets and all the goods were completely full and nobody bought them. And as I went through Foodland right over here in Aina Haina, it reminded me the contrast between the meat section and the candy aisle. And the Lord dropped an important spiritual truth and it's this, that in times of suffering or crisis, people go for what they need the most, not what they'd like the most. In other words, in this global pandemic with disruption, distancing, and isolation, no one runs to the store thinking about sweets. They were thinking about sustenance. And with that, we're going to study for the next three months the longest recorded, uninterrupted teaching in the whole Bible recorded by the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus, three whole chapters. Because oftentimes when Jesus teach, someone would interrupt or um, the author would break into another story. But three whole chapters, Jesus goes into the mount and he provides meat to sustain the people of God. And I think it's so necessary for us not to get caught up with the latest fad or what's going to be good for our palate. But man, let's get into the word of God. Amen. Let's dig deep. Let's see what, the, what it means to really live under the reign of Jesus. And so with that, we're going to uh, open your Bibles, you guys, to Matthew chapter 5. 
Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 13. I'll go ahead and read. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And check how it switches to pronouns. The pronouns here is, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were born, who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we invite you right now, not only in this live streaming, oh God, but in their rooms, in the living rooms, at the breakfast table of your people. We are gathered in your name, and you are here. And Lord, that is the promise that we all desire and want most, is your presence. And so, Father, I pray that as we learn the first part of the Beatitudes, or the blessing to live under the kingdom of God, I pray, O oh God, that you would turn our hearts towards you. Lord, I pray that um, you would open our eyes, O oh Lord, that we would see wonderful things from your law. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1, right away, it says that Jesus, upon seeing the crowds, he went, goes up to the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. See, Matthew... The whole Gospel of Matthew, it's about Jesus being the fulfillment of the Messiah. The word fulfilled in the Greek is plerao. It's 17 times in the Gospel of Matthew. In fact, the word um, the kingdom is mentioned over 53 times in the Gospel of Matthew. Why would that be? Because the Gospel of Matthew talks about how Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Savior and he is bringing in or ushering in the kingdom or the reign of God. Now, when it starts off in verse 1, it says Jesus goes up to the mountain because Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience. We notice that he doesn't say the kingdom of God because the Orthodox Jew would not say the name of God. They would say, or, uh, they would say the kingdom of heaven. And because Matthew's uh, audience was primarily Jewish. What Matthew does is that he sets a parallel between Israel's exodus and the book of Exodus and Jesus' ministry. Where do we see that? Because in the teaching of, the, of Jesus in the Sermon of the Mount, there's a parallel between the Sermon on the Mount and the Exodus account in the Old Testament. Where do we see that? Well, the Passover connection and the killing of the Israelite babies. Matthew is the only gospel that records uh, the, the, the 
slaughter of, of the babies, it parallels the Old Testament account of uh, how the angel of death um, slaughtered. Okay? Um, we see in the Old Testament there was the passage of the Red Sea. And in Matthew, the chapter before that, we see that the waters, that Jesus is baptized in the water. And Israel goes into the wilderness. They've been set free. Just like Matthew 4, Jesus healed every disease. He went from town to town, Judea, Samaria. His, his fame started going out. And then he goes to the, in verse 1, it says he goes to the mountain. And just as Israel went, after being set free, they go to the foot of Mount Sinai. And they were afraid to be in the presence of God. But because Jesus now, who is the, of the new covenant, the new testament, he now fulfills that he is the greater Moses, he is the greater David, and that he, through the life of Christ now, instead of God coming down and being um, afraid of, on top of the mountain. You guys know that in Exodus uh, 19, in Exodus 19, this is the last time this is the last recorded scripture that God speaks in a mountain until Matthew chapter 5. So what Jesus is saying is, I've set you free. You are the new Israel. You're the people of God. Just as uh, in Mount Sinai, I've delivered the Ten Commandments. Now, for these next three chapters, I'm going to show you how we are to live as the people of God. And here we go through the Beatitudes. So what is the Beatitudes? Here's the main point, you guys. Would you write this in your notes? Is that the blessings of the beatitude are the promises of the kingdom to those who live a repentant lifestyle of humility. The, the word beatitudes, it's from Latin, meaning bless. Now, there's two words in Greek for blessing. Okay? Um, one is found in Ephesians 1.3, where it says, Blessed be God. Uh, that means to speak well of God, okay? But here in Matthew chapter 5, the word blessed here, makarios, means like to be happy. Or um, the way that Jesus used it here, it means to be approved by God. So if you want to be approved by God to live under the reign, the kind reign and gracious reign of Jesus, there's a certain type of lifestyle or ethic or character that you and I need to take, and that is a character of humility okay and so if you could just imagine Matthew chapter 4 Jesus goes heals people right the blind see the deaf hear the lame walk um, those who are paralyzed or have movement again those who are sick are made well and here comes this spectacle this miracle worker coming through and he's, he's um, not only um, proclaiming the kingdom of God, but the signs of the kingdom of God accompany the proclamation of the kingdom of God. And their, their, their followers, I'm like, hey, all right, the Messiah is here. We're going to overthrow the Roman government. We're going to put ourselves in a position of power. We're going to put ourselves in a position of authority. But Jesus... Just like the kingdom of God, how it's opposite, he starts off with this idea of spiritual poverty. 
And the first one, it's blessed are the poor in spirit. What does it mean to be uh, live under the kingdom of God and to have the blessing of spiritual poverty? It means to repent from self-sufficiency. Would you write that down? That to be poor in spirit means that we are to turn away from being self-sufficient. Poverty is those who regard their spiritual lack that you don't think highly of yourself. That you come before the Lord in the position of the beggar. Jesus says, man, not unless you become like a child can you enter into the kingdom of God. What does Jesus mean by that? Does he mean like we think childish and we talk with a lisp, right? I want water. Is that what Jesus talks about? No. Because back then, children had no position in authority. Children in the uh, scope of the hierarchy during that time, there's adults and, you know, slaves and children were way at the bottom. That's why the disciples like, Jesus, why are you even spending time with children? They, they, have, they don't come from a place of authority. They don't have any titles. So what Jesus is saying, hey, if you want to come to me, not unless you get rid of your titles. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know where I graduated? Don't you know who you think you're talking to? Don't you think you know what, you know, like, man, um, don't you know who I think I am, <laughs> right? That we come oftentimes with our LinkedIn accounts and we have our titles. You know, in Bible college, we had uh, professors all the time with their doctorates. And my most favorite professors weren't like, excuse me, my, na my name is Dr. Smith. You know, there is no Dr. Smith in Bible College. I'm just, Life Bible College, shout out, okay? Um, it's the people, oh, just call me Jim. Just call me Mark. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, you're great. We're not worthy. You're a doctor. He's like, no, no. I'm just like one of you. We're here to learn the Word of God together. There's no titles. We're just students of the Word of God. And I love that. And when we come before God, poverty in spirit means no titles, no, no self-sufficiency. We don't think highly of themselves, of ourselves. Philippians says, let's not think highly of ourselves more than what we ought to. And after, oftentimes, we portray our social media self or our, our, our false self of what we want to show to the world that you're strong and you're brave and that uh, you have a strong work ethic and this is who I am. But if we were to enter into the reign of God, Man, Lord, I'm just a beggar before you, Lord God. And that's what pleases God. Next, blessed are those who mourn. When you're spiritually in poverty before God, once we recognize our own sin and that and how we lack before God, that there's nothing in me that I could offer God, right? When we come before the Lord, we grieve. That's why the Bible says, Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, mm -hmm. meaning repent from being self-satisfied. Yeah. Now, this verse is not about mourning and funeral, but I believe what Jesus is talking about here is grieving over our sin. Mm -hmm. You know, oftentimes we go to church 
and oh, I just need to go to church so I can be comforted. Oh, when we gather, I need to be comforted. Could I just say this right now that genuine comfort is not possible without authentic grief. We're living in the kingdom of God. Uh, Peter's sermon, remember what he says? He says, repent, grieve over your sin so that times of refreshing would come. Do you, do you see that? It doesn't make sense how the kingdom of God works. That if you want to be comforted, you must first what? Mourn. Blessed are those who mourn over their sin. Blessed are those who grieve over their sin because you will be comforted by the Holy Spirit. You'll be comforted by the power of the gospel that you are loved unconditionally. This is how we come before the Lord in humility that we're not self-satisfied. So when we go to church, yes, we go to church to be comforted, but I believe part of being comforted is just, man, really grief and, and mourning over our sin. There's no true comfort until we mourn. I think the illustration, Jesus talked about it, right? In Luke chapter 18, let's go ahead and turn there. Luke chapter 18, verses 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves. You see that self-satisfaction there? You see the self-sufficiency? They trusted in themselves, that they were righteous, and they, because they thought they were all that in a bag of chips, right? They treated others with contempt. Do you see a spiritual dynamic here? If you're spiritually proud, you're going to treat people poorly. If you think you're, all, you're up here, you're going to treat people like they're down there. So Jesus tells a story. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. Okay. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. You know what? I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing afar off, he would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast or he beat his chest saying, God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. He meaning he was made right before God rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Next, um, we'll go through blessed are the meek, which is to repent from being self-determined. So let's take a quick poll here. Um, when we think of meekness or being meek, what do we think of? Weak, right? But meekness, um, it's a character trait of Jesus. It's a fruit of the Spirit. The Bible says that Moses was the meekest man on the face of the planet. Was Jesus weak? No. Was Moses meek? No. Weak? No. But Here's what meekness is. Meekness is a strength under control. So if you have strength, but it's under control, there's a blessing 
because it says they will inherit the earth. Meaning, you guys, the person who does not insist on his own rights, you will live your life very differently. If you come before God and the way that we live our lives, and if we're always insisting, hey, I got to get it my way. Hey, hey, what about my opinion? Hey, how about my way, my preference? If you're always insisting and being out of control, you will not inherit the earth. You will not be in good favor. It's like, oh gosh, of course they got to get their own way. There she goes again. It has to be her way or the highway. There, And Jesus says, man, if we just kind of submit to one another, if we just kind of comply and, and be gracious to one another, man, you will inherit the earth. Amen. You see here the, the importance of a repentant lifestyle. This is how we're to live under the people of God. And lastly, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, which is repent from being self-sufficient. What happens? Oh, yeah, it's self-sufficient. Maybe it has the old copy. Oh, yeah, self-righteous, excuse me. What happens when we're humble before God, when we're meek before the Lord, when we grieve over our sin? We begin to have new appetites. You begin to hunger and thirst after righteousness. When we grieve over our sin, when we humble ourselves before, with one another, it's like, man, God begins to change your appetites. God begins to change what you want. Your desires begin to alter and change. And the Spirit of God is really taking root into our souls. And if, once we begin to hunger and thirst after righteousness, we shall be filled, the Bible promises. You know, if you've lived um, with Christians and if you've grown and being accustomed to church, I don't know about you guys, but uh, the people that I'm most attracted to are humble and meek, Right? Um, when I was in, in school, um, one of my heroes in the faith, his name is Ron Mel, uh, Pastor Ron Mel uh, out of Beaverton Foursquare Church. He was a Pastor Wayne before Pastor Wayne was Pastor Wayne. And Pastor Ron Mel, every time he spoke at our church chapel, Bible college, man, that guy would bet a thousand. Like, it would hit me straight to the heart. And um, one time he was asked, Hey, Pastor Ron, like, man, what is the secret? What is the secret sauce? <laughs> like, what is the key to your success? How come the hand of God is just over your life? You have the Midas touch that whatever your hand is doing or whatever you're, you're into and you pursue, the Lord just blesses and touch and brings fruitfulness. And um, his answer may surprise us, and it surprised me. Because I would think, you know, I pray, I fast, I read my Bible, you know, I read books all the time. But he says, you know what, the key to my success is I repent more than anybody that I know. 
I repent, I turn away every impure thought. Oh, God, please forgive me. Every wrong motive, every casual word, Lord, forgive me. And so uh, with that, this is just like the Ten Commandments. The first four regard, are in regards to our relationship with God. It's vertical. So it's the same with the Beatitudes. There's a parallel. The first four stands in, in our justification and how we're in right standing before God. How could we enter into right relationship with God? Be poor in spirit. Humble yourself. Blessed are those who mourn and grieve over their sin. Blessed are those who are meek before God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And so I think this morning is a good point that we, before we try to reach for fruit, because the other four Beatitudes, it's about our relationship with one another. Because oftentimes we want the fruit, right? Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, just like uh, when Michael Jordan was around, everybody just wants, you know, the Jordan sneakers and everybody wants to stick their, stick their tongue out or they want to have the, the, you know, the, the knee brace that Jordan had and they thought, you know, Nike's promo in the 90s was what? It's got to be the shoes, right? That's why he's so good. But instead of reaching for fruit during the season, could we establish our roots in God? Come before God in the position of a beggar. And there's a blessing upon each one of us. If we hunger and if we thirst, we shall be satisfied with more of who God is. Let's go ahead and pray.